to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains, and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. Today, I'm not talking to you about a certain location or another person's travel story. I'm talking about a very serious issue that unfortunately is funded by tourism. I am talking about animal cruelty, where animals are being used for selfies and to entertain tourists. It's a massive issue, and today I talk to a professional to explain the effects this type of exploitation has on animals. I am lucky enough to have Ben Pearson, the senior campaigns manager from the Australian branch of World Animal Protection, to explain the nitty-gritty to us today. Welcome, Ben. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, let's dive straight in, Ben. Now, I know on Facebook I love seeing people's photos when they travel, but when I see an image of them standing next to a tiger or have their arms around a tiger, I need to know, are these animals drugged? It's, it's a question we get asked a lot, and we don't have definitive evidence that that's the case, but it's hard not to be suspicious, isn't it? I mean, these are you know, apex predators. They're tigers. Uh, you would imagine generally a tiger would be sitting next to a human being and being thinking, well, there's lunch. So the fact that they're just sitting there um, in a docile way allowing people to hug them does make you suspicious. What I can tell you is that those tigers are very badly treated, and one of the reasons they're probably just sitting there is because they've endured a lifetime of cruelty and they're quite traumatised. Do they do things where they uh, take their teeth or shave down their teeth or something like that? They don't do that to tigers because one of the things we see a lot with the uh, tiger selfie industry, to call it that, is, of course... People actually want that that photo of a tiger with its mouth open and those magnificent teeth, you know, shown and the claws. Uh, and you see these just uh, sort of horrendous videos where a member of the public will be sitting next to the tiger and the uh, trainer or the owner is poking the tiger so that it will roar, so that it will growl, and you get all the teeth and the claws in the picture. Oh, that just breaks my heart. So to be able to get the animals to that point, what kind of things do they have to do to kind of get them so they are sedated like that? It depends on the animal, really. Um, with a tiger, obviously, they're trained. And as I say, in most cases, um, they're probably uh, doing things like withholding food from the tiger. Uh, and in some cases, you get the sense that those animals really are, have just endured a lifetime of captivity and poor treatment and bad diet. And they've got to the point where there's almost a state of learned helplessness. Uh, in the case of animals like elephants, uh, we know for a fact that the only way they will subject, uh, will accept being ridden by a human is to go through an extremely cruel training process called the crush, where they're taken from their mothers at an early age, um, they're restrained, they're treated badly, and they get to the point where they're essentially brutalized and afraid of their trainer to the extent that they will do exactly what they're told, including having humans on their backs uh, and performing in the shows that uh, some tourists have seen. To my listeners, if you have been taken part in these activities, you're not a bad person. You probably love animals. Most people that partake in these things do. Now, that's how they make money from it. This podcast is to inform you the real story behind the scenes, the things you may not be aware of. I have to be honest, I have done it. What Ben was just talking about, I rode an elephant. When I was younger, before social media, and I was over in Thailand with my brother, 
and I love elephants. And this was the first time I had ever been close to an elephant and I was super excited. And, you know, they tell you that these places have rescued them. So you think you're doing the right thing. And both my brother and I hopped on top of the elephant. And as we were going, we looked at each other and both exactly at the same time, we looked and went, this is the worst thing we've ever done. We lifted our feet up. We didn't want to touch the elephant. We looked down and the guy that was actually, um, I don't know, driving the elephant. I don't even know what you call it. He had a pickaxe in his arm and he was hitting, he was hitting it. And we were disgusted. And then as I looked closer, you could see blood stains down the side of the elephant's head. And I was totally disgusted in myself that I was sitting on top of something and, and partaking in something that was so cruel and awful. And Ben, I'm so glad you're here today to tell us the real truth behind all of this. Is there any such thing as a good elephant ride? No, there's just not. Uh, we, we have to get real here. Elephants are wild animals. They're dangerous. They're massive, dangerous, wild animals. And you simply can't uh, have a situation where they will subject to themselves to being ridden by humans unless they've gone through a very cruel training process. Now, we've had people try to pretend that they can um, you know, use a training process where they use positive reinforcement and the like. Absolute nonsense. Uh, if you are at a venue which offers elephant rides, those elephants have been treated cruelly and you should avoid it. Yeah. Even when I was talking to my brother about this the other day and he said it's still the most disgusting thing I've ever done. I said, me too, absolutely. And this is why I want people to know because I have had conversations with people and they've said, oh, I've done that. And I said, oh, I don't, that's not very good. You probably shouldn't be doing that. And they said, oh, no, where we went, it was fine. That's where they've rescued the elephants and they treat them really good. Yeah. So it's just not true. That's not really. I mean, a lot of venues make that claim. It goes back to the point you made that um, the people who go to these kind of venues, paradoxically, are people who love animals. You know, that's exactly it. They want to experience a wild animal. They want to get as close as they can to a wild animal. And the venue owners know that. So they always make sure to include a little bit of rhetoric about, you know, we're protecting the animals or we've saved them from some horrible situation because they know who their audience is. But in most cases, that's just simply not true. A lot of these venues breed elephants into a lifetime of captivity. And quite frankly, even if you do have a venue where, say, they have taken an elephant, say, from a, a logging industry uh, situation, you can't really pretend that uh, putting it through a cruel training process and having it spend the rest of its life being ridden in any way means it's in a sanctuary. That's still cruelty, no matter where that elephant came from. Mm. And these elephants, like you said, they're extremely strong and powerful. If they're being treated terribly, what makes them not fight back? The, uh, the, the brutalization that they've gone through, they really is. Um, you told that story about you and your brother and the guy with the, um, the pickaxe. Uh, there's a thing called a bull hook, which they use as well. Frankly, that elephant was probably terrified. It knew that if it did the wrong thing, it would be um, beaten. It would have another cut. Uh, it would be hit again with that pickaxe. Uh, and as a result, it, it did what it could because just through sheer fear. Um, I will say, however, that, and it's worth people knowing this who are considering going elephant riding, that. Um, um, there have been instances where uh, the elephant has essentially been pushed over the edge and killed the mahout or killed tourists. Uh, and in fact, in Bali, just last year, one of the venues that we went and exposed, the owner of the venue was killed only last year by one of his elephants. Oh, okay.
you treat animals awful like that. It's yeah, and it's not that uncommon. It's not that uncommon. We we know of at least sixteen to twenty deaths in the last few years uh, around the world, not just in Bali, and I'm sure there are others as well. Ben, can you explain a little bit about World Animal Protection and what you guys do? Yeah, I'd love to. We're an international animal protection organisation and one of our major campaigns is what we call wildlife not entertainers. And what this campaign seeks to do is expose the reality that uh, increasingly around the world now, wild animals are being taken from the wild or bred in captivity to spend a lifetime in entertainment venues where they're treated in really poor conditions, they're treated very cruelly, uh, and they spend their life entertaining tourists, be that a dolphin in a small tank be that uh, an elephant that has to you know, go on rides every day or a tiger that uh, lives in a tiny little cage and spends the day having selfies taken with it by tourists. Uh, it's a big issue. Uh, these wild animals uh, you know, are the beautiful beasts that suffer enormously when they're held in captivity for their entire life. And it's a major focus of our work to, to try to stop, uh, stop that happening. The, the focus of the campaign is really that most people go to these venues just through ignorance. They don't realize that. A lot of the cruelty is behind the scenes. They don't realize the cruelty of the training process. So through things like our Bali report recently and other reports and work that we do, we're hoping to educate uh, members of the public that they shouldn't go to these kind of venues while also working with the travel industry to encourage them to do more. Uh, we contacted, for example, Qantas and Flight Center and Hello World pointed out that they were actually promoting these venues in Bali. And to their credit, they stopped doing that. Um, but we want to move further now and actually help us educate their customers about how to avoid cruel wildlife entertainment venues. Are there any tourism companies that are still supporting? At the moment, um, most of them seem to have done the right thing. I think, uh, you know, Qantas, for example, said we'll take down all um, uh, content on our website about elephant riding. Flight Center's doing that as well. So they've really done the right thing uh, in that regard. But it's not just elephants. You know, we really want people, those companies, to also start thinking about uh, captive dolphin um, exhibits is a real problem. But beyond that, we also want them to not just not have content on their website about elephant riding, but help us educate the public. So we'd love to see, for example, that Qantas in their in-flight magazine, you might be flying to Thailand, you're flicking through the magazine, and there's a, a quick little um, article which says, look, when you're in Thailand, you know, avoid the tiger temple, avoid the elephant riding, avoid these kind of venues where animals are treated badly. We'd really like to see them play that kind of positive role. Well, that would be fabulous. Can you explain more about the dolphins and if there are any other type of animals that are being treated in the same way? Sure. So I'll start with the dolphins. Um, a very popular uh, animal exhibit, unfortunately, is um, dolphins. Uh, you have, for example, in Australia, uh, two venues where we keep captive dolphins. Um, Dolphin Marine Magic uh, at Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. And of course, uh, SeaWorld at the Gold Coast has 32 dolphins. Now, to keep a dolphin in a small, a chlorinated pool really is very, very cruel. In the wild, a dolphin can travel 100 metres, 100 kilometres. It can deep dive hundreds of metres. And so the idea that it's this, in this tiny, sterile pool, forced to perform tricks, uh, you know, not able to engage in the kind of social behaviour that it would in the wild, really is just ex- exquisitely cruel. And when you think that dolphins can live for 40 to 50 years, it makes it even worse. Um, around the world, unfortunately, we see more and more dolphin venues being opened, breeding in captivity. It's a funny thing with dolphins because when you see them, they look like they're smiling. 
Mm. are used to this idea that they, in the wild, they do things like they breach, they jump out of the water. And so in some ways, you you can see that the shows that, say, SeaWorld put on uh, mimic what they do uh, in nature, but there's no way in which these dolphins are able to exhibit their natural behaviours at a venue like SeaWorld. There's no way that for a dolphin uh, being kept in something like that, it, it doesn't represent a, just a lifetime of really cruel captivity. So we need to start educating people that those dolphins aren't happy, that the conditions they're in are completely unacceptable for them, and we need to stop breeding them in captivity and stop taking them from the wild. And I will say with dolphins, um, one thing people should know is that while increasingly now uh, dolphins are being bred in captivity, they are still being captured in the wild. And you might have heard of the Taiji dolphin hunt in Japan, which is just a, a, a shocking uh, process. It, uh, it was exposed in a documentary called The Cove, and essentially the dolphins are herded into a small cove. They're dragged out of the uh, the ocean. Some are killed in the process. Uh, the uh, process of actually getting them to venues sees many others die as well. In some cases, they get to the venue and are just so traumatised, they die shortly afterwards. So they may look like they're happy. Uh, they're certainly not. Oh, that's horrific. I actually didn't realise, I knew that SeaWorld obviously has dolphins. Again, I think it's something that we're trained to think that it's okay and they're treated well, so there's no problem with it. But it makes sense. They're not meant to be in captivity. That's right. It's the captivity which is the cruelty. So there's no way in which a dolphin is subjected to the kind of training process that an elephant is, but it's an animal that uh, in the wild, as I say, has a large range, lives in incredibly social, uh, complex social groups, and it's just not getting any of that kind of thing living in a pool on the Gold Coast. It's just cruel. I did see something about the dancing bears. Can you explain about the dancing bears? Bears are a, a species which unfortunately suffers uh, enormously, not just uh, through wildlife entertainment venues, but also through the ongoing practice of um, what you might call bile farming, a bear bile farms uh, in some countries as well. Yeah, bears, it's the same thing. You think about a bear. A bear is a massive, dangerous animal. Uh, and when you see a bear doing something, frankly, grotesque, like riding around on a clown's bicycle or doing some other performance for you, you've got to be asking yourself, how is that bear being uh, prepared to be subjected to that kind of treatment? And the answer, of course, is that it's been treated very badly indeed. It probably lives in dreadful conditions. It's gone through a training process where, like the elephants, it's scared of its handler. Um, you know, there's, there's a general sort of rule of thumb which we encourage travellers and tourists to use when they go overseas and are thinking about going to wildlife entertainment venues, and that is that if you can ride it, if you can hug it, take a selfie with it, uh, if you can, you know, if you see it performing in a show like that, the chances are that it's been subjected to cruelty and you should avoid that venue. And the uh, orangutans? So orangutans are also very distressing. We found uh, a number in Bali. There's a couple of things there. The first, of course, is that um, when we saw uh, in particular these two very young orangutans uh, at one of the venues, the, the researcher that we sent over there said it was just really distressing to watch them taken out of their cage in the morning. They were in these tiny little cages separated. They were taken out of these cages and they were then shampooed and washed and put in nappies so that they could be passed around for maybe six hours that day so that people could take selfies with them. And, and our researcher said at one point she saw them when they'd been taken out of the cage just clinging on to each other and she said she could just tell they were just getting comfort from each other. You know, they're not meant to be living on their own in a tiny little cage and the poor little things 
were clearly distressed. Being handed around for six hours a day as a photo prop would just be horrendous for them. And at the end of that, what have they got to look forward to? They go back in that cage. So that's just atrocious on its own. What's then upsetting, uh, and again, we saw evidence of this at one venue, is that you know, these orangutans grow up and orangutans get very large and they can get very dangerous. Uh, and we saw one orangutan, we think he was about 12 years old uh, and had the name of Nico. Nico got to the point where he was too old, too, you know, he just wasn't cute anymore, too dangerous to be used as a photo prop. And so he was stuck in a really small cage. Now, unfortunately, Nico could live in that cage for the next 20 years or so. And that is just appalling, just so cruel to think that that is going to be his life. It's awful. It's so awful. When I was in Africa, I was in Johannesburg. My friends took me to the Lion and Safari Park. Have you heard about that place? I've heard about places similar to that, not that one in particular. But um, yes, the experiences of the lions are pretty common in that part of the world. It's the place where the lion actually killed a woman because at that point they could drive their cars in and she got out of her car and the lion ate her. And they did have lion cubs. And so we went into the lion cubs and there was big rules on not touching them. But mm-hmm. of course, there's a lot of tourists that don't listen. And they were touching them and they were telling them off, but they thought it was funny. And I guess these rules are in place for a reason, right? That's exactly right. And, and what you're saying is right. I mean, people ignore the rules and go in there and, and touch the cubs. But the other concern we have, of course, is that you know, those kind of uh, experiences where you can walk with lions and the like. Uh, unfortunately, we fear that when those lions get to an age where they're no longer cubs, they're no longer cute, uh, and they're large and dangerous, what happens to them then? And that's that's always something that you've got to be thinking about when, you know, when you're at a venue like that. Yeah, and they did have a cheetah walk there, and we weren't aware of what we were doing, and we went in and we saw them, and the first thing we said is, They've been sedated and they said no. I said, have you taken any of their teeth out or done anything to their nails? And they said no. They said no, no, no. These ones are rescues and this one had actually had one eye and they had it since it was a cub and that's why they said it was okay to be there. But clearly I'm a strong believer in animals and making sure that they're safe. And so I was really quite scared and again thinking, have I put myself in another situation that I shouldn't be in? But I I did feel okay with that one for the fact that they did say they raised it and they said if they were to put it out in the wild that it wouldn't survive. Again, is that something that's true? Look, in that particular case, that may be the truth. I can't really comment on a specific case. and But what I can certainly say is that while that particular case, it may be that that animal has no other option other than being in a, a place where hopefully it's being treated humanely, if you're breeding animals in captivity, uh, regardless of how well you treat them, you are breeding them into a lifetime of captivity which can't meet their, their natural needs. And so they just shouldn't be doing that. At the end of the day, these are wild animals. You know, they're not photo props. They're not just entertainment, uh, you know, items for tourists. So we really want venues like this to stop breeding in captivity, stop capturing animals from the wild. You know, in some cases, for example, with elephants, we are actively working to uh, take elephants into sanctuaries where people can actually see the elephants without interacting them. And once you get away from that direct human interaction, the, the whole situation becomes much better in terms of the, uh, the welfare of the animals. Mm. And so your view on zoos? 
We recognise that zoos in Australia do a lot of good work. You know, Taronga, I'm based in Sydney, Taronga Zoo uh, does some great stuff around um, helping to reduce marine plastics and the rest. We do obviously have the same concerns that um, we don't want to see shows where uh, animals are being asked to perform, as in the seal show at Taronga. And, you know, broadly, we feel that uh, you really shouldn't be keeping an animal in captivity unless it's for conservation purposes, such as the fact that it's an endangered species. Beyond that, we, we certainly uh, have concerns about the idea that zoos would breed wild animals that aren't endangered so that they can spend a lifetime in captivity. But it does have to be said that, you know, if you look at the big established zoos in Australia, the welfare of the animals there is far and away above other venues, particularly overseas. I'd kind of touched on it a little bit before about tourists doing the wrong thing. And I was down near the Great Ocean Road and there was a bunch of tourists and there was a lot of cockatoos that were coming up while they were eating their lunch and they were feeding the cockatoos fried chips. Yeah. It was driving me crazy because clearly that's not what they should be eating. And so I was thinking, what are you doing? And the people from the shop kept coming out and yelling at them, and they thought it was funny. Yeah, I think that kind of thing again. I mean, you're right. There's a sense in which people just, you know, need to be a bit more thoughtful about these kind of things. I mean, as you say, those birds did not evolve to eat fried chips. They didn't, and it's probably not very good for them. But as well as that, those birds did not evolve to be fed anything by humans, even if it's something more appropriate. You know, every time you engage with a wild animal and do something which interrupts its normal natural behaviours, that's just not a great idea whatsoever. You know, you might get birds which, instead of foraging and doing what they usually do to find food, decide instead they'll just hang around one day and wait for tourists to feed them. And the next thing you know, one of the tourists might, you know, treat them badly or there might be some other incident. Uh, So really, at the end of the day, we're always encouraging people, when you see animals in the wild, don't interact with them, keep your distance, show them some respect. Do you find that this has gotten worse since digital photography has come around? Well, there's an interesting story there, which is that um, we did last year find that digital photography was a problem because we found that there was an increasing number of people taking selfies with animals, particularly in the Amazon, like sloths and others and boto dolphins and the like, and then uploading those photos to Instagram. Uh, But what was great was that when we went to Instagram and raised that issue with them, Instagram's response was fantastic. They said, right, you know, we get that. We can see that we're contributing to a problem here. So Instagram has a system now where if you search for certain hashtags like tiger selfie or this or that selfie, um, a content uh, advisory warning comes up which says you're searching for something that's associated with animal cruelty. We'd encourage you not to. Why don't you go to, say, our website and some other websites and get more information? Uh, And We just think that was a fantastic response. Wow, that is fabulous. Mm. I was recently in the Amazon and the tour company that I was with, the the lodge, they would not let anyone go near any of the animals. And, you know, everyone was allowed to take photos from a distance, but they were very respectful of animal wildlife and making sure that no one, when the dolphins came out of the water, the boat stopped and they waited for them to go, like, so they weren't close to them, waited for them to be in the distance, and then they would start up again. Yeah, that's great. And it's a good example, isn't it, of where you can actually, you and you do have uh, operators and venue operators who show respect to these animals and it means that you know you and others can experience animals in the wild 
without contributing to cruelty. And it's why we say to people, if you're going to travel to a region like that, go to a good operator, go to World Expeditions or go to Intrepid. You know, they have a whole bunch of different packages that you can buy off them where you experience wild animals without in any way contributing to cruelty. So do your homework. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice right there. I've got some listener questions here. I have one from Daniel, and Daniel has asked if these places are shut down, what happens to the animals? Because obviously they've been raised in captivity, so they can't release them out to the wild. That's right, and it depends on the animals. So in the case of, say, orangutans, um, around Indonesia, there have been some sanctuaries established um, where people are trying to then relocate the orangutans. Uh, in the case of elephants, uh, World Animal Protection is actually doing that as well. In Thailand, we have been working to establish sanctuaries uh, for elephants that we've rescued from certain uh, venues and from logging. Uh, and in other cases, actually working with venues that currently offer elephant riding and the like to try to transition them to a higher welfare model. So you don't actually close the venue, you just make sure it's higher welfare. And in fact, I was only last week up at one of our sanctuaries in northern Thailand, and it's really you know, just fantastic to see. Uh, and people can go there and they can visit and see the elephants in a much better situation than they would at one of these venues. So it's something where the right answer for us is to establish sanctuaries uh, and try to make sure that animals that are rescued from these um, places have somewhere to go. But obviously that's difficult and it's expensive. And, you know, all I can say is that we're doing our best. Do you have the name of that sanctuary so that people can go to? There's the, um, it was the Elephant Valley, Thailand, and it's near Chiang Rai. Yeah, I think that's really important because, again, like if people do their research, hopefully they find that, but it's good for them to be able to know where they can go to help. And look, you can go to our website, worldanimalprotection.org.au, and you can find information about places that you can go. And I have another two questions. This one's from Kate. Kate has said, what is the best ways to support animal welfare while traveling? Which I think we might have just covered that a little bit. Yeah, go to good venues. Absolutely. I mean, we need to shift the industry towards higher welfare venues. The more demand there is for higher welfare venues, the more we send the message to the industry as a whole that that's what people want and they'll start catering to that. And she's asked another question about palm oil. So she said, why is palm oil bad for animal welfare? And how can I tell if I'm buying products that contain palm oil? Because so the reason palm oil is bad for animal welfare is because of the uh, habitat destruction that's involved in palm oil. What you find in, in Indonesia, for example, is that you just get large tracts of forest, rainforest, being cleared and converted into palm oil plantations. Uh, palm oil is in just so many products that we buy and it is obviously listed on those products, so where possible you should avoid it. But there is also, uh, I'm pretty sure, stepping a little bit outside of my area of expertise, uh, a bit of a coalition uh, with groups like Greenpeace and WWF where they have actually started working with some of the bigger producers to, uh, to market sustainable palm oil products. Uh, but so that, that's the major problem. And in general, if you've got the option of a, you know, a product without palm oil and one uh, with it, then you should go for the one without it. And I think there's also an app, uh, an app that you can use that also then allows you to do a QR scan and you can see whether or not you've got palm oil in a product. I'm, I don't have the name of that on the top of my head right now, I'm afraid, but I, certainly if you Google it, you'll find it. That's great. Thank you. Can you explain a little bit about your wildlife abusement park report that you guys did? Sure. So 
last year, uh, we were wanting to follow up on the work we've been doing in Thailand, uh, trying to dissuade people from going to um, uh, elephant venues where you can do riding. And we thought, well, where do Australians go when they go overseas? And the answer, of course, is Bali. Uh, It's the most popular tourist destination for Australians. It's right on our doorstep. So we sent an undercover team over there last November. Uh, and ask them to go and visit the uh, wildlife venues that we knew about, uh, come back and tell us what they found. And we were absolutely shocked. We didn't know what we would find, but it was just across the board, uh, unacceptable treatment of animals, really poor conditions, all the venues that had elephants offered riding. The team who went there, the, the leader of the team, has done a lot of this work before. She said it was some of the worst conditions that she had seen. Uh, the dolphin venues, uh, in some cases, uh, just defied the imagination. She uh, came across one venue where the dolphins had actually had their teeth filed down or removed so that they wouldn't bite tourists, which is just appalling, uh, that kind of treatment. So we took that report and we went and contacted um, Qantas and Flight Center and Hello World because we saw our research also demonstrated evidence that they were promoting these venues. And... Um, They've done the right thing and stopped promoting them. But when we released it, you know, our intent was really to send the message to those one million Australians a year who go to Bali. When you go to Bali, there are so many amazing things you can do. Going and seeing animals being treated cruelly is not one of them. I think that's really important for people to know. Mm, absolutely, because that's the thing. I mean, if you look at who goes to Bali, it's China and Australia make up about 45% of all tourists on the island. So we have translated that report into Chinese. Our Chinese office will launch it in July, uh, and they will also try to persuade the Chinese um, tourists not to go there. And if we could get those two countries alone just to stop going to those venues, we'd really start creating a movement for change. Fabulous. You guys are doing really amazing work and I'm really glad that I got to talk to you today and explain this to people because I think it's really important. I love animals. So my last few trips basically have been based on that. So we went to the Amazon and we went to the Galapagos Islands too. And that was just amazing. The way they protect the animals there was mind blowing. I I was so blown away by it. And I was just, I loved it. On the main island, they have a section where they bring all the fish in to go to the restaurants and the sea lions stand there and wait and they don't, no one tells them off. Everyone just lets them do their thing. (laughs) It's just beautiful to see. And they wait for them to chop off the head of the fish and the sea lion grabs it and then jumps back in the water and all the tourists (laughs) are standing there watching and just think it's fabulous because most people that go there are animal lovers. So Yeah. yeah. I think there's ways you can go and see animals in a, in a safe way for the animals. What is the single biggest problem wild animals face at the moment? I mean, obviously these entertainment venues are dreadful and we're trying to do something about that, but more broadly it's habitat destruction um, for all sorts of things, to convert land to agriculture, to convert land to, um, uh, you know, to housing and the like. I mean, even in Australia, uh, if you look at how many koalas are being killed so that uh, we can clear land uh, for no particularly good reason it's just dreadful Uh, and that really is the biggest problem the wild animals face the loss of their habitat through overdevelopment Mm, and the rhinos as well i was in the serengeti and they were telling us that there's hardly any rhinos left in the wild because they they get hunted and we went to a place where they protect them and they had two men with machine guns to protect them 
Yeah, that's right. And I, uh, the unfortunate reality is that um, for a lot of wild animals, uh, there's still a booming trade in uh, sort of traditional medicine where the horns and the skins and, you know, even some of the internal organs are used for sort of allegedly medicinal purposes. And that's been a huge problem. I will say there's been a lot of very good work to cut down on the uh, trade in ivory, which was certainly a big threat to uh, African elephants. But, um, yeah, there are still other species which unfortunately are suffering from demand for those kind of products. Is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners before we wrap it up, Ben? Look, I just summarise by saying, you know, you can certainly be a part of the solution. Uh, as you said, Michelle, you can go to many countries now and experience wild animals, the, the, the magic of them, the majesty of them without contributing to cruelty. So do your homework, make sure you only uh, buy packages from reputable operators. And again, when you go overseas, you know, ask yourself that basic question, you know, if you can ride it, touch it, take a selfie with it, something like that, you know, have a photo with it, then you shouldn't be at that venue. That's probably a venue that's contributing to cruelty to animals. Go to a venue which has higher welfare standards and you'll be doing the right thing by the animals you love. And you have a pledge on your website? We do at the moment, that's right. It's actually a petition which really says I won't be going to cruel wildlife venues and I won't do business with travel companies who promote them. And it helps us send the message to the industry that they really need to step up and be a part of the solution. I think everyone should go and do that. I have signed it and I hope everybody listening goes and signs it as well. It's so important. We need to protect all of these animals. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ben. It's been fabulous and I'm really happy that we got to talk and discuss this really serious issue. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, please email us at michelle at michellelee.com or head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.